And not to brag about Christ Church, but that what God is doing here is pretty We're recording you now. We have all of you <laughs> excited and wanting to be a part of this body. Uh, now you're recorded. <laughs> it's incredible to me in the midst of a pandemic uh, to see you and your enthusiasm. Um, so I'm excited about where we're going, and uh, you know, we've had a few walk-ins. That's a family. This this time, oh, yeah. I view it as this. I look at this. Uh, you know how you have your neighbors over for the first time, and you get to have some good conversation, you get to know each other a little bit better. That's how I view this membership class. It is. You're in you're you're in our our living room, and you get to hear a little bit about our story, a little bit about what God has done, testimonies, and His faithfulness, and how amazing God and what he's done at Christ Church. And I'll tell you, that's what kept me around, I think, for over the 15 years. Like, why have you been here for 15 years? I mean, there's been some hard times and some good times, but it's been amazing just to see um, God transform middle school students. I get to see that firsthand, as well as individuals in a church. And so uh, it's going to be a good time together, and we're going to get to know each other a lot better. So I don't want to take any more time Pastor John's time this morning, but I do want to give you a heads up. So we're going to start in your work, workbooks there on page 11, and we're going to skip the first session. Now, you may be asking why. Well, we're really excited. We put together the history of Christ Church online in a video format, and it's unbelievable. The, the video team that we have here at Christ Church has really captured our history in such a way that I was joking with Pastor Craig. I watched the video this week. And I was like, man, I almost want to re-up my membership. It's that good, all right? And so we're going to send you a link this week where you, a great video. It's only 10 minutes long for you to, um, to watch this week, talk about it as, uh, as a family or with one another. But it is an amazing video. It really dives into a lot of where we've been as a church. Um, you, you've been handed the crest there. Um, it's a nice little sticker decal. And in the video, you'll get uh, a little bit of understanding what the crest means to Christ Church. Um, also, you have the first, very first newsletter going back to the roots. You see that you got that right there before you as well. And so uh, in this video, it's going to give you a little bit more description about our history and all these great details of where we've been. So without any further ado, Pastor John, why don't you come on up here? And uh, real exciting for, for you, John. You've been doing this a long time. Loving it. Yes, sir. Why don't we give it up for Pastor John? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, sir. John, you were the first one ever, didn't you? The very first one of these classes? I have no idea. <laughs> it was so long ago. <laughs> I'm glad to be here this, this uh, is it afternoon yet? No, this morning with you. And uh, <clears throat> this is, by the way, for your car. Put that on the back window and uh, shine for Jesus. You will enjoy that uh, recording of the history because I did it. And so with our team, I sat down and uh, talked about both the crest and uh, the early days. My wife often says, by the way, often not every week, but she does say, when she sort of reflects on like, this class is going to be here and I'll be teaching. She said, I wish for the folks who are now coming to Christ Church that they could have been here in the beginning. It was so exciting. I mean, we started in a country inn, 
worshipping in an upstairs conference room. We were there a year. Then we spent a year at Moon Area High School in their auditorium. And then we moved on to site here. So in our, what, the third year, we had this built. Just This was the worship area. And then we kept growing so that we had four or five services in here. So we had to add what is now the big sanctuary. And that was all exciting. And you have the privilege of being here. It's all paid for. All those early guys all along the way gave so joyfully and sacrificially. All paid for. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's great to see you. I wish I could have a one-on-one with you. Some of you I have because we've met one way or another. But let's bow our heads and pray here a moment and then dive into this teaching. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you for each one. I thank you for each one sitting here this morning. Thank you for the delight and joy it will be for them as they catch up on who we are and what we're about at Christ Church. And I pray, Lord, that as they do so, they would work in their own thinking and praying as to whether they can commit to being a part of the membership here over these weeks. So for this morning's lecture and teaching, we ask you, Lord, to walk amongst us. So if you would sit down with each of us and as we work our way through this lesson, you would be our inspirer, our teacher, and prompt us, Lord. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, page 11, I'll turn to that in mine as well. And uh, along the way, we're going to be asking you to either underline or to fill in some things. So have your pen ready and ready to go. So the basics of this class, that's what you're looking at. So let me lead you through the text here. You are a member of God's family, it says. This is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. You see the reference there? When it has LB, that's the Living Bible translation. You are a member of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. So here are some key truths. The church is, in the first place, a family. If you write that in there, you see that teaching. We are, you are a member of God's very own family. And the second heading, God expects you to be a member of a church family. So number three, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. So the goal of this class is that I, you, I myself, will commit to Christ and to the church family. So that's the goal of this class this morning, to commit to Christ and to the church family. If you turn the page, what makes Christ Church a family? Well, four things. Our salvation, that is grasping what God has done for us. That's on page 13, which we'll be heading into. 
Next, our statement of faith, why we exist as a church. And that'll be page 37 in your books there, we'll come to, not this morning. Our strategy, how we fulfill our purpose. And then last of all, our structure, when and where we fulfill our purpose. Now that will be over the next weeks, but we'll be taking on this first one about being a member of God's family because of what God has done for us. So as you look at the top of page 13, our salvation, namely, grasping what God has done for us. Well, here's a simple statement from Galatians chapter 3. For now we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we who have been baptized into union with Christ are enveloped by him. We are no longer Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free men or merely men or women, but we are all the same. We are Christians, Christians that is. We are one in Jesus Christ. So as you turn the page, what does it mean to be a Christian? Most people have their entire lives, live their entire lives, without ever knowing why. They exist year after year with the idea, with no idea, excuse me, why they live or God's purpose for their lives. The most basic question a person can ask is, what is the meaning of life? Everyone wants to be happy. People try many ways. Some look for happiness by acquiring possessions. Some look for happiness by experiencing pleasure. Some look for happiness by gaining prestige and power. But real happiness comes from understanding my, and so you write in, purpose in life. I was not raised to go to church. You may have heard me say that along the way in my preaching. But I remember walking home from school. I was maybe 13 or 14. I lived in the, the city of Oxford in England. And I was walking home from school and I was asking myself this question, why am I going to school? And I told myself in a split second, this all is in split seconds in my brain. So I'm walking along by myself and asked, why on earth am I going to school? Answer, get a good education. Why do you want a good education? I asked myself. Well, so you can get a good job. Why do you want a good job? I asked myself. So you can earn good money and live pleasure, well, you know, with some pleasure and security. And then I asked myself, and then what? can remember as clearly as then. And I didn't have an answer. But the answer I gave myself was this. There must be a God. This can't all be by accident. And the very questions that I'm asking are looking for meaning. What's the sense of all this? 
And it had to be something more than getting a good education and a good job and earning money to live comfortably. There was more going on in me than that. that. So those questions have sort of been answered in a way with this. What's the real happiness? Where does that come from? By understanding my purpose in life. So here they are. Why am I here? God made me to love me. If you write that in. And as you do so, the scriptures right underneath it says, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Even before the world was made, God had already chosen us to be his through our union with Christ. Do you see it's underlined there? Because of his love, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, he would make us his children. That was God's pleasure and purpose. All because of his love. Remember the Beatles? Some of you never heard of the Beatles. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. To know that God loves you is a major step of realization. Secondly, we were created to enjoy. There's a thought. A personal relationship with God and to manage all of the rest of God's creation. This makes us special. So one verse we'll read out of these below. So God created human beings, making them in his image. He blessed them and said, live all over the earth and bring it under control. I'm putting you in charge. One other verse, God provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that something that God wants us to have pleasure and joy? I must say that when I was growing up, my impression of religious people was not that. It was like everything I wanted to do, they said, you can't do that. And everything I didn't want to do, that's what I was supposed to do. And everybody seemed rather miserable trying to make that happen. Look at this next series of teachings. If you turn the page, page 16, I'm going to ask you to do some underlining here as I read down this page. So when we know and love God and live in harmony with his purpose for our lives, it produces tremendous benefits in our lives. And most of these scriptures that we're going to look are references from the letter of Paul to the Romans, part of the New Testament, of course. So the benefits of all this, number one, a clear conscience. Romans 8 and verse 1, therefore, there is, underline these words, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, underline in Christ Jesus, to have a clear conscience no condemnation. Most counselors would say, psychologically, we are crippled in our lives 
by our consciences which tell us all that we fail to be, to do, either for ourselves, with others, that we've screwed up royally. And we try to bury all that and stuff it down because we don't know how to deal with our consciences. But to have a clear conscience. God offers us through faith in Jesus this statement that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Secondly, a life, life and peace. Again from Romans chapter 8, verse 6. The mind of the sinful man is death, but, and then underline the rest of this, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. Christ said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and peace. To have those, to have a sense of exuberance in your spirit and to be somehow mellowed out, not anxious. The next, help with weakness, Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit, underline this, helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but, and then underline this, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. That's how much God is on our side. You've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Spirit intercedes on our behalf so that we may be overcomers of the kind of weaknesses and frailties of this life. Next, purpose. Ah, from Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works, underline that, works for the good of those who love him, and underline this, who have been called to his purpose. I've just been listening to the preacher, Denny Patton, who only has maybe weeks to live. He's our preacher this morning. I don't know if you were in church at the earlier service or going after this class, but uh, he's a man who's been around this church a long time. Helped start a Saturday evening worship service, which we had in this space here back in those days. And he was speaking about God's purposes for us. Read this with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called to his purpose. To know that. So you're not just thrashing around. God has a purpose for you. Next, confidence. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, it's a praise song that we sing along these lines, who can be against us? If God's in our team, who can come against us? Wipe us out, destroy us, cripple us. The answer is, of course, no one, nothing. And then security. Romans, and that's a big issue today, security. Well, Romans eight thirty nine. listen to these words. 
neither height nor depth nor any other creature or nothing else in all creation, <clears throat> this translation, underline this, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So for power, I, you, you, you realize that over the years of the experience of the, I've, I've had in ministry, and I came to know Christ at 18, was set on fire for him, started talking to my friends about him, my family as well, who were just about as irreligious as I was. And uh, it was a surprise to them, but I had come to know Jesus. Listening to an American in England, Billy Graham. And uh, in that life of wanting to please Christ, serve him, love him, one of the things that was quite extraordinary is it was so overwhelmingly fulfilling. He gave me the strength and the, the guts, the grit to be about that purpose. And I could preach for at least 20 minutes on each of these issues that we're, we're looking at here. You realize that? Any one of them, probably for an hour or two, really, talking about the scriptures and the experience of that. What God has done. My wife and I, sometimes with tears, are thanking God for what he has pulled off in our lives. We did so this morning before I came to church, reading scripture. What he has given to us, how we live, how he's used us. Do you have that sense? God has got a purpose for you. He's got stuff that you can get done for him of significance, of consequence. So look at this, power and strength. We switch to Philippians chapter 4. Very famous verse, verse 13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is the old translation. To go for it, to have, to take on what appears to be impossible, to do great things, something of consequence. Underline, will you please, the whole of that statement. I can do everything, anything, all things, through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. And then fulfillment, which I've just alluded to. Philippians 4.19. And my God, underline this, will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Underline the whole of that. He'll meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It would be fun to ask each one of you, there's obviously not time, so don't even think I'm going to do this, but to stand up and say how you've experienced this. How has God provided for you? When your back was to the wall, how did God get you by? When you were really down and out, how did he lift you up? How did that all that happen? And to know that he can give you the strength to get this stuff done. So Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs. 
according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then this last one from John chapter 8, and this is Jesus himself speaking. These two very famous statements, especially the first one. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And that's free to become all that God wants you to be. That gets interpreted sometimes like licentiousness. Go please yourself, do your own thing. Live for the gusto just for yourself. Whatever all the phrases are, real freedom is being made free by God to be all that he created you for. That's freedom. You know when you have a kite that you're flying against the wind and it soars? When you cut that thread or let go, it comes crashing down. If that kite is you, held by the string of truth, you can soar. Sever the truth, ignore the truth, let go of the truth, and you crash and burn to be free. You get the picture, don't you? A, lo a locomotive is not free off the rails. It's a mess. It's going nowhere. God has a purpose. He loves you. And he wants you to be free with this freedom that Jesus gives. So we go to the next page. So what's the problem? Well, man has the natural desire to be boss. Write that in there. And to ignore God's principles for living. So you often have, or used to anyway, look out for number one. Do your own thing. If it feels good, do it regardless of what God says about it. It's my life and I'll do what I please. And the Bible calls this attitude S-I-N, sin. Of course, it's got this observation in Scripture. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray and each of us has turned to his own way. So if we say that we never sin... We're only fooling ourselves and refuse to accept the truth. So you've got this already circled off for you. Sin breaks our close relationship with God. It causes us to fear God and to try to live our lives outside his will. As it goes on to say here, again quoting the Bible, the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. And all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious ideal. That's all of us. So as you turn the page, when our relationship to God is not right, it causes problems. In every area of our lives, marriage, career, family, relationships, finances, when people have problems, they often try many different ways of coping before turning with to God. 
fact, some people get their, you know, they tried every other way to get their lives together. It's almost as if God becomes a last resort instead of the first resort. Do you realize, just let me again, it must be obvious to all of you that whether it's in your family, in your own personal life, where you work or go to school, in the nation, in business, in politics, worldwide, nation to nation. Do you know what screws everything up? Sin. That's it. Every problem is connected to our sinfulness. So, if you move on down the page, there are ways that seem right to a man, one of the Proverbs of Solomon, but they only end in death. Even when we know that our deepest need is God, we often try wrong ways of getting to know him. Like, my mother was a Christian, so, so am I. It doesn't matter what you believe, just be sincere. Well, that misses the possibility of being sincerely wrong. I'll give up all my bad, bad habits. Have you ever tried that? Have you made those New Year resolutions? How are you doing? A very famous uh, English author, C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia series, the children's stories like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and so many other works, he said this, nobody knows how bad they are until they've tried to be good. So you've made your resolution and it doesn't work. I'll work re real hard and earn it. I'll be religious and go to church and you could, whatever else you want to add there. So what's the solution? Here it is. Jesus Christ said, and we often don't read it this way, but he says, I am the way. Underline the I am the way. He's also the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except, underline this, it's also, it's capitalized for you, through me. As it says here, God himself came to earth as a human being to bring us back to himself. If any other way would have worked, Jesus Christ would not have had to come. The way, underline this please, the way is a person. It's Jesus himself. Not a list of rules and regulations, not even theological doctrine and uh, hefty truths. It's Jesus himself who is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So, look at this very hefty piece of print. Jesus has already taken care of your sin problem. He, Jesus, the, the, the Bible again says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
God did this for us because he loves us. That's where we began our teaching this morning. He loves us and wants us to know him. So again, top of the next page, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still separate from God by sin, Christ died for us. So moving down the text, God has already done his part to restore our relationship to him. He took the initiative. Now he want, waits for each of us to individually accept what he has done for us. Do you remember the last, it's, it's the last great cry of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. In the Greek, that is a single word, tetelestai, paid for in full. It's not that the, you know, the pain, the suffering, the anguish, the hurt, whatever's going on as he's nailed to the cross physically, like as he dies, that's it, you know, pain stops. What he is saying is in dying on the cross, he has paid for in full for all of our sin, taken the rap, justice done, paid for. So, as it says earlier, if anyone is in Christ, there is no condemnation. He's taking care of it. So, what does God want me to do? That's the question you have in front of you there. Number one, and this is huge for some of us, to admit, you write that in, that God has not been first place in your life. Admit that to him, to yourself, and ask him to forgive your sins. So in admitting, ask for forgiveness. A famous statement often quoted in a church, if we confess our sins, he, God himself, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from every wrong. Clean up your conscience. Forgive you. Pardon? I've lost the slides. Oh, okay. well, I don't know if you're looking at the slides, but we're rolling on. I always knew as a little boy, because I was always so naughty, and my brother Tony, who was 18 months younger than I, was even more naughty than I was. And the stuff we got up to, our dad died when we were seven. He committed suicide, my dad, our dad. And Tony and I were up to mischief. Sometimes my mother would be crying because she felt helpless to control us. And I remember going up and saying, Mom, don't cry. We'll be good. Well, that would last maybe a half an hour. And I grew up knowing I was a very naughty boy. And as I got older, my sins graduated to other degrees with me. So I knew I was a sinner. So I didn't need to be convinced. But the night I asked Jesus to come into my life in London 
at a large meeting with, I don't know, 10 or 15,000 other people. But that evening I asked Jesus to come into my life. I admitted I didn't have to like say, you know, I'm a jerk Lord. I was, I knew it, he knew it. But when I gave myself over to Jesus, that was the, listen to me, that was the first time in my human experience I felt clean on the inside. Actually, it was like exhilarating. And I was literally, you, you may not believe this, because at that point I was 17 going on 18. I'm dancing through the streets of London afterwards. I'm swinging around lampposts. It's like singing in the rain. I'm swinging on shop blinds. It was like, I'm free, clean, forgiven. What a gift. So secondly, to believe. Admit you're a sinner, confess your sin to the Lord, and then believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins and that he rose on Easter and is alive today. Look at what the Bible says. If you confess that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart, highlighted, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name than Jesus by which we must be saved. To believe. So thirdly, to accept. What you've got here, if you note it, is A, B, C. To accept. Admit, believe. <laughs> I know accept begins with an A, but you see there are two C's there. God, free gift. Accept God's free gift of salvation. Don't try to earn it. It speaks about it being a free gift. Look at what the Bible says. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, that's human endeavor, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. So our relationship to God is not restored by anything we do, but on the basis of what Jesus has already done for us, what he already did for us. I'll come back to that thought in just a moment. Lastly, invite Jesus to come into your life and be the director, in brackets, Lord, of your life. To all who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. All we need to do is trust him to save us. All those who believe this are reborn, not a physical rebirth, but from the will of God. Turn over the page to this very famous statement. It's Jesus who's speaking. It's the resurrected Jesus speaking. So some years after he had died on the cross and was resurrected, he says, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, let me ask you to underline this next phrase, I will come in. So Jesus desires to come into our lives. 
It's when Jesus comes into our lives that we are born again, made new. Born again into the family of God. Made alive spiritually for the family of God. For heaven being on our home. I'm going to pray a prayer with you to give you the opportunity, if you've never done it, to ask Christ to come into your life. This is a holy moment. So if you close your eyes, see Jesus coming to where you are. He knows who you are. He knows the house you left to come to church. He knows what your life has been. And he's standing there looking at you, loving you. See him looking at you, loving you. He could not love you more. And he'll never love you less than this moment. And I'm going to pray a prayer in the first person so that you can speak to him as if for yourself. You don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart, invite him to come in. So in your own heart, say to him, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for knocking at the door of my life. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Please, I throw open wide the door. Come and fill me with yourself. Forgive me my sins. Wash me clean from all of my sins. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness. Lift the burden of guilt. I give myself over to you. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Give me this new beginning. Thank you for your promise that if I ask you to come in, you will come in. Now, as we all sit here with our heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer with me, especially for the very first time, to turn it all over to him, I'm going to ask you to lift your face and look at me, and I will see you do that, and I will point to you and say, God bless you. And then you can lower your head again. But if you prayed that prayer with me, lift up your face and look at me now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Oh Lord, set your hand on each of these. Give them that thoroughgoing sense of your acceptance, your love, your power in them to forgive them, to make them new and clean with a home in heaven prepared for them. Give them joy. And for all of us, therefore, Lord, thank you for this great purpose for which you created us, to love us, 
to have us in relationship to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And just let me say this, and we'll finish our class for this morning. This is a membership class. That is, you're finding out about what it means to be a member of Christ Church. But the most important membership you can have transcends Christ Church. It's to be a member in the family of the Lord Jesus. The worldwide family of Jesus. And the driving thrust of all our life together here at Christ Church is that people make that connection. That they join that family via what you have heard, seen, prayed for, grasped here this morning. Now the following classes lead on from that commitment to Christ. Some of you, of course, have made that commitment years before. For some of you, it was a re-upping on that commitment this morning. But irrespective, that personal, intimate relationship with Jesus is the essence of what it means to belong to his family and then to find your purpose within that family and to serve him. And that's how these classes will unfold for you. God bless you all. I call Rob Roy to come on forward. I call him Rob Roy, which is what all Roberts are called in Scotland. Rob Roy. Here you go, lad. God Why don't we give it up for Pastor John for leading us this morning. Thank you so much. So good to be with you. So excited. Next week we have Pastor Craig will be here teaching. Pastor Barry after that. So you're not going to miss the next couple weeks. Um, also, don't forget that the video, we'll be emailing you that this week. That'll be your homework. All right. So I get a little history and a brief and snapshot to see all the amazing things God has done over the past years. Amen. All right. Why don't you have a good rest of the week? Services started across. So welcome to hang out and chat or to head over to our 1115 service. All right. See you guys.